turning to Psalm 73 again. This is the third message on this psalm. I could take another one from it, but we will not bother. We'll finish it today. And most of you know the context uh, that those of you who have been here. And we're going to cut in just at uh, verse 22 and read down to the end. We haven't read these last verses yet. But we will read from verse 22, and you know the psalmist is in great trouble, great affliction, great trial. Just like some of you at times, we go through the fires, and we don't know what it was was wrong with this man, but it was very, very serious. He was nearly gone. Then God moved in, as he does at the right time, and when he does it, he does it well. And so when he reflects on how he was and what he said and what he'd done, he just says, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, any of you preachers want to Trace up the nevertheless is in the scriptures. You'll get message after message from me. The turning point. It's a new beginning. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. That's some statement, let me tell you. My flesh and my heart faileth. But, there's a blessed but. My heart and my flesh faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all of them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. He wasn't going to be silent after that. May God bless the reading of his own word to our hearts this morning. Whenever Sir Peter Lilly was commissioned to paint the portrait of Oliver Cromwell, and as Cromwell sat before him, he saw Livy staring at his face. 
because Cromwell had a number of obtrusive warts and probably not knowing what to do or what knowing what to say as he looked at his face, Cromwell said warts and all. Warts and all. You know, one of the reasons that I love this old book uh, here, and there's many, is because it gives us warts and all. When it comes to Bible characters and biographies written by others or autobiographies written by men themselves, the blatant honesty never never ceases to amaze me. Nothing is covered over, shoved behind the, the, the cushion or under the carpet. The Holy Spirit's not in the business of collusion. He's not in the business of covering up anything. There's few of any biographies today that you will read, modern or recent or history. There's very few of them will give it really as it is. But the psalmist tells me that this about this word, all thy words are truth. You know, many times I go to funerals and I hear tributes and eulogies. And to be quite honest, I often wonder, am I in the right funeral at all? Is this the right man these boys are talking about or the right woman that they're talking about? Now, I don't expect them to expose their lives. But you know, they'd be better saying nothing. There's more lies told at funerals than there is in the pubs. Remember Noah. Noah was the preacher of righteousness. He stood alone by faith against the ungodly world and built the ark and saw his family saved and safe. But if I had been writing on Noah, I would have finished when he came out of the ark and got the victory and got the altar and got down before God. I'd have finished there, but God didn't finish there. He went on to tell us about what happened to Noah and how he fell. Remember Elijah, the mighty revivalist, the mighty prayer warrior, the mighty man of God? Remember him? I would have finished before he got under the juniper tree. Solomon, the greatest of all kings in wisdom, wealth, and wives, had an awful ending too in immorality. Every word of us recorded. Time does not tell me or permit me to talk about Samson, Gideon, Peter. Oh, now they say, oh, now we need to keep quiet. We need to cover it up. We need to cover it up for the sake of this. Ah. Well, I tell you, my friend, the covering up, it's the covering up has left the assemblies in the way that it is. This man, Asaph, psalmist, priest, singer and prophet, is a great case in point for what I'm saying this morning. He's in some great trial of affliction. He's out of fellowship. 
His feet are well nigh gone. He's gone. I want you to gaze at your Bible. And I hope you have your Bible open this morning. I want you to gaze at this psalm a minute. I want you to get this into your heart this morning. This man's in fierce trouble. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. He's in pain. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Look at verse 21. This, my heart was grieved. Do you know where the word grieved there is where we get the word vinegar from? Violently bitter. My heart was violently grieved and it was violently bitter. Look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth. He's almost done this boy. He is an awful burden upon him whether it's with the family, whether it's with health, whether it's with brethren in the assembly, I don't know, but he's carrying an awful burden. Then with an incredible, blatant honesty, he spills out how he felt in verse 3. For I was envious and jealous, that word is, at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Look at verse 22. O Lord, when, verse 20, 22, so foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. I tell you, that's honesty. I was ignorant as a beast in the field. Now watch these two words here. Be for thee. Be, end of verse 22. Be for thee. He's before a holy, righteous God who sees everything. You get that into your mind this morning. He's not before men. Not singing and praising and clapping and shaking hands. He's before God now. And if he's going to be genuinely and honestly restored to full fellowship, And if he's going to get his feet back off the slippery track, this is where it has to start, before God. If he's going to get back onto the rock, he has got to be honest. Everything must be confessed and repented of in the presence of God. That's why we sang that hymn this morning. Everything has to be stripped back to the bone before there's going to be blessing. Before you're going to enjoy the Lord, before we're going to see revival moving in this house, everything will have to be stripped back to the very bone. The very bone. God doesn't paint over us. God doesn't paint over cracks in oil and dirt. He requireth that which is past and desireth truth in the inward parts. Now let the searchlight and the spotlight of the Holy Spirit this morning Shine into my heart and your heart in the presence of God. 
The problem with this man was not the worldly people. The problem with this man was not the prosperity and the mocking of God that these boys were at. And if you read it, you'll read it and you'll see all that. The problem of this man was not those outside, and it wasn't even his mind, and it wasn't even his feet. That was an end result of it. Feet's the last thing to go. It was his heart. I want you to notice how many times he mentions the heart. Look at verse 13. Verily I have cleansed my heart. Look at verse 21. Thus my heart was grieved. Verse 26. Twice. My flesh and heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. The problem's here. Problem's here. I don't know much about the poet, laureate, playwright, William Shakespeare. But I know a wee bit about the Julius Caesar play where Marcus Brutus was confronted about some terrible problem and it was said to him, the fault, dear Brutus, lies within yourself. We used to tell the children's story about Willie the Wasp on the summer day when he flew through the window into the church. And he saw some woman's hat with a flower in it and he went and he lit on the flower. Mother two hands, she wriggled and she shook till she got them off. And then he flew over and he landed on some boy's baldy head and he lifted the hymn book and he hit the crack and he got away. And then he went up onto the pulpit and he hit the preacher who tried to get near the preacher and he lifted the Bible and he swung it at him. Willie the Wasp is not a very friendly place, this. Nobody wants me. Not a very friendly church, this. They're all trying to get rid of me and get me out and nobody wants me. But the fault was in himself. The sting was in himself. And so often we look at others and we look out and we say, oh my, this one and that one and that one. We need to examine ourselves. We need to look in. It's not the prosperous men. It's not their houses and their cars and the money. That's not the problem. The problem is the heart. It's not right with God. The heart has to be exposed to the searchlight. The secret things, the motives that control. In the presence of God when he fell before him in the sanctuary because it told us he went into the sanctuary and then he understood all this. When he went into the sanctuary, the place of prayer and the place of praise and the place of preaching, when he went into the holy place, in the presence of God. You know, this is different in here this morning than any other place you could be. This is the house of God. It should be referred to as that too. The sanctuary in the house of God. This is not just a tent on the roadside or a hall down the roadside. This is the house of God. This is where the Shekinah glory of God is supposed to dwell amongst his people. This is where you come to be fed and to hear the word. This is where you come to hear from God. Not to be seen. To hear from God. To remember the Lord. 
And when he got into the house of God and he saw the sacrifices, because he was a priest and the sacrifices were being offered up, I don't know whether he had any part or not. I don't think he had. I think he, was, he had slipped so badly away. Like so many dear backsliders this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you're cold and you're backsliding and you're away from God. I can tell you there's hope for you this morning and as we end this message, you'll see. No matter how far gone, there's hope for you this morning because we have a loving God and when he got into the sanctuary and began to understand and he saw the wee lamb being offered up, and he began to think of all that he knew because he was a, he wrote 12 psalms, you know, this man. And when he began to think and to understand what all this meant about it, realizing that this sin must be an awful business. Sin must be an awful business when they take a wee lamb, a wee innocent lamb, and shed his blood and slay them day after day after day after day. Sin's an awful business, and it is an awful business. When you look at your crane tonight, this morning, it's an awful business. When you look at the lives scattered across our land this morning, the drug addicts and the drunkards and the marriage divorces and all the rest, it's an awful business. He began to see, and I believe he reflected on these men that he was envious of and proud of, and he saw their foul tongue and he saw them accusing God and they said to God, what does God know? And yet he gives them the homes and he gives them the money and he gives them the golf clubs and he gives them health and he gives them strength and they die and they're at peace. What does God know? What does he know? But when he began to think of that, he could have well thought of the what Paul penned hundreds of uh, many, many, many years later when Paul penned, it was the princes of this world that crucified the Lord of glory. These are the men that crucified my Savior. I tell you, he's getting into a perspective now. He's getting the things in order now. It's them that's on a slippery slope, he says. Isaac Watts penned that hymn, but I survey the wondrous cross. You, you don't sing these hymns. We sing these hymns so glibly. When I survey, you take that wee word survey out of it now. He just, just wasn't a quick glance on the way home. When I survey the wondrous cross, when I took time to study and to meditate, when I come in behind, when I come in behind and I saw it back, like a ploughed field. When I went round the side and saw the gouge in the side, when I looked at his head and I saw the crown of thorns hammered down upon his brow, when I saw his visage marred more than any man, when I looked upon his hands and upon his feet, how foolish was I. I'm nothing but a beast. To think that these are the men that crucified my Savior. Boy, if you're not died to the world, die to today. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. God, 
how foolish and how beastly I am. To put the world before the cross. Put the world before the Lord's table. God forbid that I should boast save in the death of Christ my Lord. All vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Paul could say, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and me unto the world. But I tell you, when we get there, if we could get there as an assembly, Don't we sing sometimes, give me Jesus, Jesus only? Don't we sing another hymn, give me Jesus, all the joys are but a name. But as love abideth ever through eternal years the same. Oh, the heights and depth of mercy, oh, the length and breadth of love, oh, the fullness of redemption. There's three O levels and you needn't have to go to school. Oh, the fullness of redemption pledged with endless life above. Listen to this last stanza. Who wrote that? Fanny Crosby. Blind at six days old. She wasn't accusing, she wasn't blaming anybody, she wasn't saying, poor me. Here's the last stanza of that hymn that you pen. Take the world, but give me Jesus. In his cross my trust shall be. Till a clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. Now once the psalmist got into the sanctuary and once he understood what was going on and once he had a new vision of God and once he had a vision of the cross, things began to change. Once he was grievous over his sin, once he confessed and repented over his sin, once his heart was, was, was open before God, once he put the crucified risen Savior first in his life, things began to change, just the same as David. Remember David when he admitted that awful sin? He says, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before thee. Against thee. You see, friend, it's God. It's God. And when we and I sin and when you and I fail and when you and I fall, it's not what our mother thinks or our brother thinks or our wife thinks or anybody. It's what God thinks. Have we grieved God? When you start slandering the preacher and slandering the people in the church, are you not afraid of God? It's against him. He didn't, he didn't sin against Bathsheba. He sinned with her. They only have a sin. Once he owned up, the joy and the blessing comes the same with the prodigal. Bible says when he came to himself, he says, I will arise and go to my father and say, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. He's on his way back. He's on his way out. He's on his way up. 
Oh, if I could drive that home this morning. Before God. Now here as we come to a close. Once God saw the grief, the bitterness, the vinegar, the pain of sinning against him. Once he sees that, we're on the road to revival. Once God saw the grief, Asaph saw the grace. Now let me repeat that again. Once God saw the grief and the brokenness and the repentance, Asaph saw the grace. There's only one word you can write over the rest of these verses from the nevertheless down, and that's the word grace. And the Bible speaks about the riches of his grace and the goodness of his grace and the kindness of his grace. Nevertheless, let me bring this to you this morning again. No matter how far gone you may be, no matter how great your trial may be, no matter how you think things are against you, no matter what the family may be, no matter what the sickness or the trials or the trouble may be, or the burdens may be, there's a nevertheless from the dark paths of sin. You can come back. This is a vital connecting word, this word, nevertheless. It links the past, the present, and the future. It draws a line under the sand. It's where old things pass away and all things become new. The psalmist was now on his way out. He was on his way back and he was on his way up, as we'll see as we close, into the glory. Now, what were these experiences of grace that this man had? The very same experience of grace that you and I have. Of course, the first experience of grace this man would have had would have been saving grace. He was a saved man. He was a gifted man. He was a called man. King Hezekiah and King David both employed him in the temple. He in the work of God. And by grace are you saved through faith. If you're not saved this morning, you can't be sitting on that chair we are, on that seat we are. It's the grace of God that brings us salvation. Saved by grace alone, we don't have to go on with it. Now, I'd like to make this point very powerfully this morning to you. Some would take to tell us that when he slipped and fell, he was lost. Well, he's saying all these things, and he's, he says, I'm almost gone now, I'm nearly done, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. Well, there's those who will try to tell us that he was lost at that moment. Well, that's a lie, if ever there was a lie. And I would have a dozen scriptures to prove that a man saved and really born again cannot be lost again. You can accuse me here of believing some things that you don't believe it, but I believe that. 
And I believe it if it were not for anywhere else, only the opening phrase of this verse 20. Nevertheless, he says, Asaph says, I am continually with thee, and thou hast holden me by my right hand. Asaph didn't believe he was lost, and God didn't believe he was lost. Oh, nevertheless, I'm still with him. And nevertheless, the Lord is still with me, which is far better. Oh, my friend, take courage this morning. Don't listen to foolish doctrine. I don't hear so much of it now. I used to hear plenty of it in the early days. Oh, he didn't believe that, and God didn't believe that, and I don't believe that. You believe what you want. You're on a slippery slope this morning. God, help me if every time I said something wrong or done something wrong, I was lost. I wouldn't know whether I'm saved or lost. No, no, saved by grace alone. This is all my plea. God had a grip of him and he had a grip of God. But you see, there's not only saving grace here. Now hear this, and boy, I enjoy this. There's restraining grace here. His feet were well nigh slipped, but they weren't gone. Because the mighty hand of God reached out at that moment and lifted his child up. You don't know how many times he has done that for you, my friend. Restraining grace. You're about to open your mouth and say something that you should never have thought of saying. You're about to lift your hand and do something or take a step somewhere and he restrained you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, the restraining grace of God. If it wasn't for it, I would be in hell. Because there's restraining grace called previous grace and even before we were saved. Restraining grace. Do you know anything about it? Well, a lot of times you don't, but you need to give thanks to God for it. Where would we be this morning? You see, he let this man go so far. Do you know why he let him go so far? He's testing him. He's trying him. He's equipping him for the future. And he knows, you know, sometimes people say, will you pray for me? And I said, I said to him, I don't know whether I will or not. Oh, I'm in a terrible burden of a terrible affliction and, and I don't know what's going on. Pray for me. But I need to know what way to pray. I'll not be praying that God will lift it off you. He has put it on you. So you don't be wasting my time. If you're going through, through some trial this morning in your family, in your home, and in your house, you might say like the psalmist, and we haven't time to look at the verse, but the psalmist said, are you asleep? He says, are you asleep? It seems at times that God is asleep. When you look over at your crayon this morning, you think that he's asleep, but uh, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's not asleep this morning. You just wait. You see, 
The psalmist David was in this, something like that in Psalm 37. You know, when he looked out and he saw the iniquity, he saw the wickedness of men and the, and the wicked evil of men, God said to him, trust in the Lord. Uh, wait on the Lord. Twice he said to him, wait on the Lord. I'll show you what's going on. And if you're in the trial this morning and it's all dark this morning and there's no hope and there's no light this morning, you just wait and he'll show you what's going on. He'll not let test you more than you're able to bear. He'll put the hand out. He'll not put it out until he's done with you. That's the whole woof and wharf of the Christian life is the grilling and the furnace and the fires and the flames to equip us from door. If it was all sunshine, we'd be nowhere. We'd be away the day. No, no, he's, he's watching this man and he's listening to this man and he has to bring this man through genuine repentance. He'll not bring him back through courses and he'll not bring him back through singing and he'll not bring him back through we prayer meeting. He'll bring him back, he'll bring him back in his own time, in his own way, when the trial's over. Then he put out his right hand, the hand of power, the hand of sovereignty. The hand of authority, the right hand. And he caught it. And Asif caught on to it. I'll tell you, he was glad to catch it. And if you're bad enough this morning, you'll be glad to catch it. If you're sick of your sin this morning as a sinner and all that you're doing and all that you're going, I'll tell you, you'll catch his hand. We'll not have to cajole you. The fear of God comes in. He caught his hand. There's restraining grace. What mighty grace that was. Restraining grace. As he stretched out his hand, he caught. There's not only a saving grace and restraining grace, there's restoring grace. He brought him from the slippery slope to the rock. Look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, and I had time to translate them words as awful. But God is the strength, and the Hebrew word there for strength is the word rock. The word rock. He's on the rock now. God is my Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. He's back on the rock. Time doesn't permit me to talk about saving grace, restraining grace, restoring grace, guiding grace. The psalmist, remember the psalmist, in another place, thou shalt guide me with thine eye. Be ye not as the horse, the beast. Be ye not as the mule, the beast. I will instruct thee and guide thee in the way. But ye shall go. And here's another lovely word as we come to a close this morning. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Afterward. Darling, after the trial's over. Mother, with the cancer, 
after the trial's over. Families, concerned about your boys and your girls and the world this morning, after. It's all over. After the pain, after the bereavements, after the trials, half the nights of non-sleeping, praise God there's an afterward coming. And he'll receive me and you up into the glory. What a mighty statement verse 25 is as we close. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside me. There's some change in this man's life. I tell you there's a transformation here that is mighty. And it happened in a short, a short moment of time. Now notice whom he's talking about a person. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. I'm more than cars. More than homes. More than money. More than land. More than the soaps. More than the sports. More than the sun. S-U-N. What have I on earth? There's nothing on earth. Before thee. Take the world but give me Jesus. I possess a cluster rare. He's the lily of the valley. We sung it here on Friday night. He's the rose of Sharon Fair. Whom have I in heaven or earth but thee? He's the center of all things now in the life of this man. Whom have I in heaven? Well, the seraphims there. Myriads of cherubims and seraphims and streets of gold. There's jasper walls and crystal rivers and gates of pearl. Whom? Well, Isaac's there and Jeremiah's there and John's there and Wesley's there and Whitfield's there and Paul's there. And that child that died of years is there. And your husband's there and your mother's there and they're all there. But whom have I in heaven but thee? Whom have I in heaven but thee? I have an old mother. She just got in by the skin of her teeth. But she got in. An old broken hearted mother. And I have her brother when he was 14 months old. Pulled a boil. Pulled a, a, a pot of boiling porridge out over him. In the old farmhouse. And he died in my mother's arms. I was at his grave there not so long ago. And 
And I would love to see Ernie. And I will see him one day. Pat buried, Pat, mother buried three, Pat, mother buried three of her children, three of Pat's brothers buried on the one day. Their tombstones is there in Derrick Hanley opposite the chapel. But she'll see them again. She'll see them again. Oh, that will be. Let's sing it. Come on. Oh, that will be. That's it. Friends will be there I have loved long ago. Joy like a river around me shall flow. Yet just a smile from my Savior I know will to the ages be glory for me. Going back to blind Fanny Cosby as I close. Someone said, you know that you wrote nine, asked somebody how many hymns you wrote, 80. She wrote 9,000 hymns at home. 9,000. Going back to her as we close this morning, someone said to her, Fanny, it must have been an awful, a terrible disadvantage all through life to never see the face of one man or woman or child. No, she says, it's the greatest advantage that all have ever had. For the first face I see will be the face of Jesus. We're going to see his face one day. Boy, this boy got it right. I'm sure he was glad that he went through the trial. Even though he did rebel and even though he didn't did cry and even though he did shout as we all do in the trial and in the furnace but the afterwards is coming glory to God it's coming and we shall see him face to face and face to face what shall it be